Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is Molecules and Shit, and this is a science podcast. I'm your co-host, P-Funk, at P-Funk and Around on Twitter. And I'm joined by your host, Koki Negra. Doctor? Sir? Uh, so, we live yet another week. We made it. Hooray. <laughs> Hooray. Uh, I suppose we should acknowledge that some people have, have left us. Um, not not necessarily because of COVID, but uh, John Lewis, whenever you're listening to this, passed away last night for us. So that's that's depressing. Didn't Elijah also pass this year? Wasn't that in January? Uh, Elijah passed. Uh, I think it was last late last year. Uh, oh. But CT Vivian also passed the same day as John Lewis, and Joseph Lowry did this earlier this year as well. So. God, please hold on to An- Andy Young, because that's it. Yeah, I I don't know. It just seems like everyone who shouldn't, who should be getting, you know, mercy is not getting it. It just seems like it's just falling on all the good people. But Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a sad one for us. Me especially, I met John Lewis one time and burst into tears and made a fool out of myself but <laughs> you know what are you gonna do i mean it's john lewis it makes right sense. right so i and he also got the african at least he got to see the african-american museum be launched even yes, though now it, even though now it's closed because you know fuckery. everything's closed exactly <sighs> and he saw a black president i mean he sure did like I think it was Obama in his statement. He said he got to at least to see the fruits of his, you know, his his labors. Yeah. So even though he the fight wasn't done, he got to see quite a bit of progress, you know, while he was alive. So that's he saw a milestone. Yeah, he did. I'm sure that's fulfilling. It it was fulfilling for him at least. But yeah, so another depressing week here in the greatest nation in the world. So I've been told. But uh, how was your week otherwise? Eh, busy, as usual. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, even though we're all working from home, it's still busy, which is kind of annoying, but it's like work. I don't know how people work from home all the time. Like, this Mm. would never, ever be my choice. I think, for one, it does depend what kind of work you're doing. If your work does not involve a lot of face-to-face meetings, if it's a lot of just kind of behind your keyboard grinding for some people it might actually be better because you're not interrupted constantly with you know inane conversation and potlucks and other distractions but uh if you have any type of job where you're interacting with people on the phone or having meetings or you know just interacting with other people it is a pain in the ass right now yeah i think i definitely have had both of those type jobs but i just as as much as i don't really want a lot of people around me i like to know they're out there hmm. and my house being my job is just not cool for me i <laughs> well yeah i think there's definitely um that's why they talk about change in scenery there's just just fatigue of seeing the same walls every day all day you can't really like go to too many places like i think that's why a lot of people are on the road. I don't even think they're driving anywhere. I think they're just driving. Yeah, so they just get out of the <laughs> just, house. Just to get out of the house and just to see 
different things and i think there there was research that said like you know seeing greenery and things like that is actually healthy and and good for you psychologically so i think a lot everyone's just got this nationwide sense of cabin fever yeah which i think that's it as the weeks go by it just gets more and more enraging because we if we had done what we were supposed to do in march we could go out and play we could play with all the other countries but Mm -hmm. we did not because we're fucking selfish and fucking short-sighted but uh, there are other stories to discuss in the world uh, besides covid uh covid adjacent things like this uh kazakhstan denies a chinese government report that the country has an unknown pneumonia outbreak more deadly than covid19 so yeah so that sounds super scary kazakhstan of course denies this um how did okay so your first blush what what did you think about this story is it anything to really be concerned about or something just to watch well some of these let me let me say this as diplomatically as i can mm-hmm. some countries in the world are not very good at sharing real information mm-hmm. so especially some of the stands you just don't know what's going on they have a strong man you just you have no idea what is real information and what is not Mm. so how do we know this is not covid true um you know we just don't know anything and then the fact of the matter is the the chinese are kind of shaky too when it comes to reporting stuff I think that the Chinese, they'll give you lots of facts and numbers, but then they'll also surround it with a bunch of propaganda, which makes it hard to know what, it's hard to separate the fact from the fiction. Right. There's that. And then, of course, you know, the person who reports it, they sometimes wind up under house arrest. Yep. That too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in, in, in this case, you know, we don't know if it's SARS-CoV-2 or it's another SARS-like virus or what it is because Mm. they're not really going to tell you and Mm. that's not very good yeah so so, okay i'll start i'll just read a little bit of it authorities in kazakhstan have denied a report published by chinese officials that the country is experiencing an outbreak of an unknown pneumonia potentially deadlier than the novel coronavirus on thursday the chinese embassy in kazakhstan issued a warning to citizens living in the central asian country that the pneumonia had killed more than 1700 people that sounds like a lot for kazakhstan that's just me Uh, Kazakhstani health department and other agencies are conducting comparative research and have not defined the nature of the pneumonia virus, the statement said. New cases of the unidentified pneumonia have been increasing significantly since mid-June across the country, said the embassy, adding that in some places authorities are reporting hundreds of new cases a day. So for us lay people, when they say unknown pneumonia, does that mean they have not isolated what's causing it or that they have isolated it, but they don't they don't know or they they haven't they're not identifying it in patients um i would say they don't they haven't isolated it yet and i have to say i can't ever remember reading a paper from somebody in kazakhstan Mm. so i don't know what their research capability actually is Mm. um but this is how sars cov2 which is now known as covid19 disease that's the same way it started out it was it was an how did they how did they put it um, a serious pneumonia of unknown etiology mm. 
Mm. But China actually has research capability. So by the first um, report started coming out in late December, by January 15th or so, they had deposited the sequence of it, which means it was probably around in November. Um, But I I just don't know how, how possible that is in this particular country. Now, if they haven't isolated it yet, how would they be able to attribute it to these 1,700 patients? Because they did other tests and none of them were the right thing. Oh, that's it? So it could be two or three new things just combined? Could be, but not likely. I mean, I imagine that they're probably doing a better job of contact tracing than we are. Mm. I don't think in Kazakhstan you get to say no. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So in a statement on Friday, the Kazakhstan Health Ministry acknowledged the presence of viral pneumonias of unspecified etiology, but denied that the outbreak was new or unknown. That's not necessarily reassuring. Uh, No, it's not. It said the disease killed 1,772 people this year, some of whom were Chinese citizens, according to the Chinese embassy. A total of 628 of those deaths took place in June alone. So they're trying, I think they're trying to uh, imply that it's, you know, metastasizing or it's, you know, accelerating. Uh, This disease is much deadlier than COVID-19. So I guess they're talking about the death rate there. Is that correct? Well, probably. I mean, like I said, you can't really tell. And the other thing that you have to figure in is that Kazakhstan is is, uh, pretty Muslim. Mm -hmm. And the Chinese are not real happy with Muslims right now. Mm -hmm. So you... That's the thing. You just can't tell, which I hate to say. I mean, we can say the same thing about ourselves. So, I mean, I'm not no judgment here, (laughs) but just call it like we see it. Yeah. I mean, I just I feel like it's really interesting that China's reporting about another country. Maybe it's just to get the get everybody off their back well they said it's um so this actually makes sense this is the chinese embassy in kazakhstan and so a certain number of chinese citizens were infected with it and so yes that is the embassy's mission to protect citizens in other countries that's part of it right right right. so it would make sense that they would see this trend and would want to report and warn other chinese citizens so that that's to me that that track totally normal to me so, like, for example, if the U.S. Embassy in, I don't know, Ecuador started seeing U.S. citizens, you know, or hospitals contacting the embassy about U.S. citizens dying or getting sick, that would definitely be something that would be sent in a cable back home. Like, hey, in Ecuador, there's something going on. We have, you know, so many U.S. citizens that have been infected, per, you know, take precautions. So that that's I'm not that yeah, shocked by that. that sense but i wonder how it is that they seem to know something about something being potentially deadlier than a novel coronavirus that's something Mm, i don't think right would get in a cable and like i said like that's where china is kind of like there will be facts and it they there will be like you know professionalism but then it'll also kind of get wrapped in propaganda from time to time Mm -hmm. so it could be kind of tricky to piece what you know fact from fiction again yeah. Yeah. So Soy, the Kazakhstan health minister, uh, said that the told the briefing that all registered cases of pneumonia in the country rose by more than 300 percent in June compared to the same month in 2019 from 7,964 last year to 32,724 in 2020, 
related deaths rose by 129% from 274 in June 2019 to 628 in the same month this year. So it sounds like he's saying pneumonia across the board is going up. If yeah, I'm reading that right. COVID. It's probably COVID-19. You think so? So why wouldn't they be able to isolate that with all the resources that are available publicly and online? You don't know what's available there publicly and online. Hmm. I mean, it's it says basically it's not confirmed by laboratory testing. They don't know what it is. So. But they said the embassy warning came as Kazakhstan continues to battle a rise in COVID-19, which has infected 53,000 people and killed 264. So they seem to be trying to track it, and that's according to data from Johns Hopkins. So it seems like they are able to isolate COVID-19 deaths from other deaths, and this seems to be something different. Yeah, I still, until until they show me something concrete, I'm not sure. Um, it may just, it may be that the virus is mutated. It may be a brand new virus. And when you only get the the studies from China, it's still really iffy. But, you know, this is the era of emerging infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. I don't know where a new virus could come from. I don't know if it's a coronavirus, but there's a good bet that if this is something different, it's probably a coronavirus. Mm. Now, if you the international community was functioning the way it was supposed to, how usually would would who be the one who would respond and try to put researchers on the ground to get samples and try to verify or isolate? Uh, the WHO might be first on the ground, but then CDC might be the first on the ground, too, if our CDC was actually working. Mm -hmm. Or wasn't overwhelmed with what our own problems. Or didn't have uh, an executive branch that doesn't want anybody to know anything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Huh, okay. Well, that's frightening. So... Usually, yeah, I, I would say we should revisit this in a month or two because it looks like the WHO might be trying. They, I know they're on the ground in China or were on the ground in China. So who knows if they stopped over there? Yeah, I just hope someone is doing it. I, that That's my thing. I can't believe we're cut off from the, the World Health Organization. I just. I, <sighs> is it, well, first of all, is it official yet? I don't know if it's official. He's trying. Yeah, for sure. I, I just didn't even know when it actually would like, take place. Like, this is just not the time. I know. It's, it's, mm. Okay. We've been talking for four years ad nauseum about this nigga. And it just never gets better. He never grows. He never improves. He just stays ignorant. It's almost like he's the embodiment of ignorance. Proud ignorance, too. Just smacking you upside the head with his ignorance as hard as he possibly can. Like, I think that's part of his identity is like, I have to know as little as possible about things that aren't money. Even things that are money. He still don't know a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, you you can't even greed right. Like, <laughs> what is <laughs> I can't even greed right. <laughs> Ugh. Like, we've seen some greedy ass motherfuckers. Th this guy can't even greed right. Well, he can't greed and keep the money for sure. No. He's bad at bankruptcy. Oh, my God. It just. I, I always think back to that one day. I think it was in October, maybe before the election. And I was talking to this other uh, co-worker and they were just like, yeah, you know, I'm voting for, for Hillary. But I kind of see, you know, why people are looking at Trump. You know, he's a good businessman. I was just like, where I, I 
House way. <laughs> Where? I mean, he since retracted this coworker. I've spoken to him since. He since retracted, but just the idea that that was floating around at the time that, oh, he's a good businessman. The straight propaganda. Okay. Straight okay. propaganda. I just, okay. I just need somebody to answer me this. How can your casino go bankrupt when Atlantic City was the only place with gambling except for Vegas? He had the whole eastern seaboard mm-hmm. and he still could not. How does a casino go? Okay. A, oh. a casino. <laughs> Or a 200-year-old democracy with strong institutions can go bankrupt or fail if you do not listen to the experts you hire or hire them in the first place. Anything can fail if you do it badly. Anything. But I just don't understand. Like, how do you... You couldn't go anywhere else on the East Coast. How? (laughs) Like, how? It's, It's like, how can a... How can a penguin drown? Yeah, but it can if it's really, really dumb. Just I understand all his other bankruptcies. That's the one. How it's a cash cow. How that was the canary in the coal mine that he is actively stupid. That's the canary in the coal mine. That it's not that. Oh, he just has bad luck or oh, he's not really well business minded. He is actively stupid. That means he's doing things that people have advised him not to do, and he's doing them repeatedly. That's when we should have said, this isn't the guy we should put in charge. But Well, that wasn't us. So. I use us very, very loosely. Yeah, I, just, I just, anyway. Because <laughs> we, okay, still, we, yeah, we still have to take responsibility for it because I, I, I take responsibility for not being as strongly behind Hillary Clinton as I should have been. I, I acknowledge that. Even though I went and voted, I, I, I had, you know, no complaints. I, I thought it was an easy vote. I still wasn't as strong for her as I should have been. And I think it contributed to other people kind of being mad about her. Yeah, for me, it was just the, the alternative was so horrible. I had to put away whatever I felt about her and pull that lever. I really did. I was like, oh, my God, how bad can this get? And you know what? Every day it shows me how bad it can get. It it was honestly like if it were any living, breathing person versus a ham sandwich. Yeah. Regardless of the faults, I think it's better than the ham sandwich. But that was how I approached it. But This year we got to do better. Mm. And again, we're using we very loosely because black people Mm. just do what you've been doing. But uh, everyone else, but like, more. I, I, I guess vote, more. Re- vote, vote more. write real hard, I guess. I don't, I don't know. No, I, you know Push the I button think? extra hard. <laughs> no, go, go and make sure your friends who have never voted because I don't care about that shit. Go register and actually go to the polls. This, this never was me, but I literally get furious anytime I read that anywhere. Where it's like, ah, that shit don't matter, or ah, they all the same, or Democrats yeah. and Republicans are part of the proletariat, whatever the fuck nonsense they talk whatever about. It whatever is, it is. Yeah. I, Bernie did. I, anytime I read that, I, my, I just I get enraged. It's just low-level boiling rage. It's, uh-huh. it's like, we don't ask you 
ignorant niggas for anything except this one day. <laughs> just yeah. go and I don't vote. Ask for much. We don't ask, ask for nothing. Just go vote. Ugh. All right. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, COVID, uh, who gets a vaccine first? So there is some uh, debate about once the vaccine is developed. So we're not even at a vaccine yet. They're still working on it. They're still in early trials. But once there is a vaccine, there's some debate about how to disseminate it. So federal health officials are already trying to decide who will get the first doses of any effective coronavirus vaccine, which could be on the market this winter, but could require many additional months to become widely available to Americans. All right. So what what, what do you first think about there? I think, first of all, vaccines and vaccine development and procurement and distribution is always much more complicated than you think. Mm. Um, So the people that they're proposing get it first are always the people who uh, will benefit the least if this is a dud or if it has crazy side effects. Mm -hmm. So as, as vaccine development goes, okay, so you figure out Um, this is the best protein. You put it in some mice. The mice raise antibodies. You try to figure out whether or not they actually neutralize the, the, um, virus, which means do they not allow it to get into the cells? Do they kill it? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can make antibodies that are worthless. Okay. Uh, that happens. (laughs) It happens a lot. I mean, people who have allergies, they can tell you those antibodies are worthless. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, they're worse than not having any. So you have to decide, you know, this is the the candidate that works in animals. Then you move it into people. So we've seen phase one um, with a couple of different vaccines. And they're showing that there are some neutralizing antibodies and it seems to be relatively safe. But that was in like 45 people. Mm, So now you go wide. That's phase two. And you're you're going to start looking at um, how effective it is. And people are going to need to be challenged with at least part of the virus to see what the what the antibody response actually is and then the third one you go very wide you know tens of thousands of people Mm -hmm. and then you make a decision as to whether or not this is a good candidate and you start making it like in the companies so you have a lot so Um, most of the before you go on most of the vaccines right now that you're aware of are they in phase one or phase two um, most of them are moving to phase two now. And this okay. is a, a, a very special situation where one and two tend to be running at the same time. Oh, uh, that seems unsafe. Like it's, it's basically breaking every rule of vaccine development. Mm. And I think that is going to be, that may come back to bite us later on. So in general, for myself, being that one, I'm a microbiologist, two, I did postdoc work in vaccine development. I, I sort of understand how it works. Whenever some new vaccine comes out, I refuse to let my parents or anybody that I love take it the first year. Mm. Because what happens is when it goes wa- wide and half a million people have taken it, then you see the side effects. And I'm just not comfortable with my mom or my dad being the guinea pig the first year. And that's because the side effects usually are at a level of one to two percent. So you probably won't see it in smaller level trials. Right. Okay. 
And so there's always a post-marketing study. That's something that, that is relatively new, maybe 15, 20 years old, where after it's gone wide, you go back and look and see what's there. And, you know, we see things that come off the market after that happens because the side effects that you didn't see with 10,000 people or 50,000 people, you see at 500,000 people. Mm. So I don't know. And this, like you said, this is a unique situation. How would you advise your, your parents now? Like, let's say they did develop a vaccine December 15th. They're like, okay, we've got it. And we're going to start, you know, distributing it to people slowly. What would you advise your parents? I still want them to wait. Wow. Yeah, that that's sobering. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just, it's just me, you know, mm -hmm. and often it doesn't matter and things are okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to sacrifice my mommy, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think... It just, it really depends. My, my mother's done a really good job of staying in the house. My father is now in, in a facility. So maybe I would say he might take it because of right. his situation. Yeah. But for, for me, I just prefer to wait that extra year. And then mm. usually, I would say most of the time, it's fine. Then I feel better. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they changed the pneumonia vaccine a few years ago and my mother's physician wanted to give her the new one. And I said, no, just wait until next year and mm -hmm. we'll see. And okay. the next year it was fine. And so she took it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So let me just get to the, the meat of what they're talking about here. So agency officials and the advisors are also considering what has become a contentious option putting black and Latino people who have disproportionately fallen victim to COVID-19 ahead of others in the population. So I think they said the initial batch, whatever it is, of vaccine is probably going to be in the volume of uh, 1 to 1.2 million, something like that. So it's going to be highly limited in availability for the first few months. And so they're trying to consider who should get it first. And there are people pushing for black and Latino people to get it first. So in light of what you just said, that sounds dangerous. Um, let's put it this way. Um, I think the way they are describing it is going to make people not want to take it. Yeah. Someone said that in the article too. Like as soon as you say, Oh, well we should give it to the black folks first. All of us start thinking about the Tuskegee experiments. Yeah. And, that's not good either. I think if you focus on what the person's job is or what their comorbidities are, that's the way you decide who gets the, the vaccine first. You just don't say, well, give it to the black people and the Hispanics mm. or the natives, which they, they have it worse than anybody. Well, I think. So, okay, so here's a quote from the article. Dr. Sharon Fry, a professor of infectious disease at St. Louis University, pointed to health disparities among black and Latino people at the, a recent meeting. I think it's very important that the groups get into a higher t high tier, she said, maybe not an entire group, but certainly to address people who are living in the urban areas in these crowded conditions. So it sounds like she's trying to do it from the perspective of protecting black and Latino people. But like you said, anytime only we are taking something or we are primarily taking something, 
we get suspicious. And I not could, only do we get suspicious, all of a sudden what you're going to find is a bunch of people complaining that they don't care about white folks anymore, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But I, I think, you know, if you stick with the conditions, which are the issue and not race. Yeah. I mean, the reason why so many of us are, are winding up with this is because we're in frontline kinds of occupations. We're the nurses, we're the nurses aides, we're the EMTs, we're the bus drivers. It's not because we're black. It's because of the jobs we do. Right. And I think that's what I took away from the article is like we shouldn't. Not to sound cold, but we should not be considering race this time. It should strictly be, are you a nurse? Are you a doctor? Do you work in a hospital? Do you work in a doctor's office? Do you work in a grocery store? Yeah. Those those people should be first in line regardless of race. And do you and live if it in hap- a multi-generational household? That That's another thing. Uh, that, I feel like that just... I feel like that plays into stereotypes almost. And how do you how are you going to confirm that ahead of you know giving them the vaccine? Do you have to provide them proof of address? Like, I don't, I don't know. think all of that is necessary. But I I think there are enough people that live that way that that's a fair question mm-hmm. to be asked. Um, again, that has that doesn't have much to do with race. It has to do with how you live. Which does have to do with race. That's why, it's, that's why it's tricky. Because a lot well, of these things are closely associated sometimes with. Sometimes not. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, when you're dealing with healthcare, there are a lot of questions that you maybe don't like, but they matter. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm just saying that uh, the, the list of people that I just put together, people who work in hospitals, people who work in grocery stores... Uh, nurses, that trifecta hits a lot of black and Latino people. Mm-hmm. It just it just does. Mm-hmm. So I just think, like you like you said, I think language is more important here. Maybe it's just instead we should be messaging it as if you work in these kinds of occupations, or if you maybe maybe even geographical, if you live in these hotbed areas, we're going to immunize you guys first. Yeah, I and think, I, think I think there's that touches, nothing wrong with yeah. that. It's it's very common for vaccines to go f- go to people who have specific jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came out of college, nobody was getting a hepatitis vaccine except people who worked in hospitals. Mm-hmm. So as a as a, a college student, I started my Hep B vaccinations. Everybody gets them now. Mm-hmm. So it's not that's not unusual. I didn't get it because I was black and black people are more likely to get it. I got it because of my job. Mm. And so that, there's precedent for that. But the idea to push push us forward and say, here, try this new vaccine. I don't think that's going to go over very well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also worried about the anti-vaxxers coming rising back to prominence because of it. Because if there are some side effects that start to, you know, appear, I, I could easily see us falling back into those stupid trends of, well, you know, it's safer just to, you know, stay at home or I'm just going to wear a mask or, well, it only affects black and brown people, so I don't need to get vaccinated, all that shit. So, I well, know. I mean, are they not going to come up with an excuse for something anyway? Yes, you're right. I mean, just... <laughs> 
I think there's some real estate between concern about how fast they threw this thing together and those people who assume that no matter what happens, the vaccine is bad. Well, yeah, that, that's a, there's a lot of real estate between those yeah, two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I told you I did my graduate work on Bordetella pertussis. That's part of the DPT vaccine. And because of the side effects of the original DPT, that's how we wound up being funded to do any of this work. Hmm. And so I've been dealing with these people since like 1990. Nothing you can tell them will be okay. True. Nothing. So first it was one component. That component hasn't been in vaccines for the past 25 years. So they just started using the same argument for a different component. Like it does it doesn't matter. They will not care. It, so I, th- I think, you know, the now they even have a nice new word for it. They call them the vaccine hesitants. Whatever. They're the same people. Yes, and exactly. no matter what you do, they're going to say the same thing. I feel like so first America didn't want to stay home. Well, first they just denied that there was a, a threat. Then they didn't want to stay home. Then they stayed home, but they didn't want to wear masks. Then they wanted to go back out because they needed a haircut. Now it's like even if there is a vaccine, they may not want to take it. It's like America is a child in a dangerous environment that just is just hard headed. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just trying to die. Exactly the right. Just time. trying to die. And when you ask them, it's like, well, why are you resisting these things that are good for you? They, you just get a, a string of bullshit. Nothing that makes any sense. They think the mask or some sort of control. Like, I, I don't. I don't know. Hey, you're the one who usually understands. I don't get it. I've never gotten it. Why is it so hard for you to try to save your own life or grandma? Or grandpa. And I think someone said it best when they started uh, couching it, not as it will protect you, but it will protect other people. That's when we started to turn. Just like when they said, oh, the virus mostly affects black and brown people, the tide started to turn. Yeah. So anytime I don't direct, if if I'm not directly in the line of fire, I don't want to do anything at all. uh, And... And that's why I think this the, the country is definitely on the downturn. Not necessarily only because of Trump, but just it's revealed this really spoiled, angry, petty underbelly that's just it seems to be like almost forty percent of the country at, at any given time. Just hates cooperation, hates, you know, doing things for other people, it just hates any talk of diversity. It's really weird. Really disturbing. Yeah, just cranky for no reason. Yeah, and, and it's across the board. It's not even just like a particular demographic per se. I mean, it's, let's be honest, it's not usually black people. It's not usually brown people. But it's it's usually just people who are either rich, they, they're rich, they're poor, they're middle class, they're old, they're young, they're educated, they're not educated. It's like it cuts across all those other swaths. And, and, and they're just cranky. They're just cranky and selfish, like really just infuriatingly selfish. And it's like, how do you even live in a neighborhood? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, okay, moving on. So um, I saw this in the L.A. Times. They had a really long write-up science article um, talking about this alternative treatment to a vaccine. 
So it says, it's in the LA Times. It says a plasma shot could prevent coronavirus, but feds and makers won't act, scientists say. It might be the next best thing to a coronavirus vaccine. Scientists have devised a way to use the antibody-rich pl- blood plasma of COVID-19 survivors for an upper arm injection that they say could inoculate people against the virus for months. Using technology that's been proven effective in preventing other diseases such as hepatitis A, the injections would be administered to high-risk healthcare workers, nursing home patients, her- nursing home patients, or even at public drive-through sites, potentially protecting millions of lives. The doctors and other experts say. The two scientists who spearheaded the proposal, an 83-year-old shingles researcher and his counterpart, an HIV gene therapy expert, have garnered widespread support from leading blood and immunology specialists, including those at the center of the nation's COVID-19 plasma research. Okay, so first blush, what what should we know about this type of treatment, or are you familiar with it? Okay, so this is a very old treatment. Mm -hmm. It's called immune globulin it's been done many many times the most common time that we see this is when a woman gives birth so you've heard of abo blood typing and you also know if you're positive or you're negative Mm -hmm. right yeah so a woman who is negative that's called the rh factor who gives birth to a positive child They give her immune globulin right away because what they don't want her to do is form antibodies to the RH factor in the next child. Mm. So that this this concept is not new. It's and it's used for a lot of things. So if you're like they said, if you're exposed to hepatitis, they'll give you immune globulin. What it does is those antibodies clear out whatever virus is there. You have not made any antibodies to anything. Mm-hmm. You are not protected the next time. But what it'll do is keep you from getting sick this time. Okay. And by next time, you mean like in a year or uh, however many months? Or the next time you're exposed to hepatitis A. Mm. Or the next time you have a baby. So typically, you know, what happens is that the woman is negative for RH and the father is positive. Mm -hmm. That's the only way you you can make this work. And so the first child is fine. But she's made antibodies now. So every other child gets basically her immune system attacks the the fetus. Mm. And so what they do is they instead of letting her body because usually there's some sort of bleed during the the delivery and that's when the baby's blood gets in her system. Mm -hmm. And so what they do is they they hit her up with this immune globulin. So her immune system doesn't respond because every the other antibodies that they got from somebody else clears that out of her system and her own immune system never gets turned on. Okay. So that's what's happening. That's what they're talking about here. So if you give this, it, basically it's a shot of antibodies. Mm-hmm. Not give made by the, you. Foreign not antibodies. Made by you. Mm-hmm. Definitely not made by you. So it'll clear whatever the virus um, that you've been exposed to. In this case, we're talking about SARS-CoV-2. What it'll do is it'll clear that. Your immune system never registers it. it never, the light never gets turned on, but you don't get sick. Mm. Here's the problem. Um, Your immune system never gets turned on. So this is the kind of thing that's going to have to happen over and over and over again. There Uh, just isn't that much antibody floating around. 
Okay, because let me just read the the next paragraph. Because the 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 tent of the article is that there's this brilliant, excellent treatment that everyone agrees would work, but no one wants to do it. it. Said federal officials have twice rejected requests to discuss the proposal, and pharmaceutical companies, even acknowledging the likely efficacy of the plan, have declined to design or manufacture the shots, according to a Times investigation. The lack of interest in launching development of immunity shots comes amid heightened scrutiny of the federal government's sluggish pandemic response. Okay, do you want me to tell you what I really think this is? Yeah, go ahead. Somebody in pharma planted this story because mm. they want to embarrass the federal government into doing what they want. Okay. So someone sat down with this reporter and gave them some facts, but colored facts. Well, I don't even know if I want to say they're colored facts. What I want to say is somebody important, a CEO, a COO, somebody in one of these companies. I mean, I've been to meetings where they show up and they have plenty to say. Mm -hmm. um, they know somebody and they want to get in touch. So they get their communications person to get in touch with some you know, reporter. Mm hmm and say the government has this wonderful idea but it just they won't do it mm. i mean it's the same thing that happened with uh hydroxychloroquine they've got this drug it's already been tested for for safety why don't they just use it well because the shit don't work and what's so what signals do you see in the article that leads you to think that so that we maybe we can inoculate ourselves to future like you know misinformation um i don't know that this would be obvious to anybody else who's not sat around and listened to this sort of conversation mm. but the way they the just the way it's it's written oh we spearheaded this and this guy's an 80 83 year old shingles researcher he's emeritus somewhere and taking a salary mm -hmm. he's not in the lab mm -hmm. um you know so there's that and so they talk about it. It's garnered widespread support from blood and immunology specialists. Who? Why didn't you name them? Um, and then they say, oh, the federal officials have twice rejected requests to discuss the proposal. What do mm -hmm. you need that for? Go do your studies in your company. See, what they want is for the government to pay for them to develop this. If you thought it was such a good idea already, develop it yourself. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the article is about them trying to seek funding. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so on March 27th, uh, Dr. John Zaya, the director of City of Hope's Center for Gene Therapy, submitted a proposal to the Federal Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, or BARDA, urge, urging the rollout of IG shots for first responders and members of other high-risk groups. The agency granted $12.5 to Griffles and $14.5 to Emergent Biosolutions to produce plasma-based COVID-19 medicines in IV form drips, among more than 50 different biomedical partnerships to fight the pandemic. But the immunity shot proposal was rejected. The pair followed up with a detailed proposal to conduct the clinical trial at UC San Diego. They believed injectable 5-millimeter vials of IG could be given quickly by minimally trained healthcare workers, offering at least two months of immunity to doctors and nurses, as well as res residents of nursing homes, college dormitories, and military submarines. 
Yeah, this is a really narrow usage, if any, if it only offers a couple months of protection. Well, but that's that's what immune globulin ever did. I mm. mean, so they're trying to, to coach this like, to couch this like, oh, it's a brand new thing. And again, this is one of the reasons why I cannot stand marketing when it comes to science. Mm-hmm. So here's this article. It caught your eye. Mm-hmm. And basically what they're saying is Barta won't give us money. Yeah. And Barta gives a lot of money. You just didn't get any money. So basically what they're doing is stepping it up. If we take it to the, the L.A. Times, then they'll have to give us money. Mm. And this is the telling quote. If It's not very obvious, but a spokesman for Barta told the Times that the agency had received thousands of submissions and that while we are interested in the potential of IG for treatment and prevention, we are focused intently on treatments for hospitalized patients to save lives. So it sounds to me like they did see your proposal. They reviewed your proposal. They said it does not target the people that we're looking to target right now, which is people who are sick and dying in hospitals. Mm-hmm. So asked and answered, it sounds like. Yeah. But yeah, I, def- I definitely, I sent this as soon as I saw it, I sent it to Coke and I was just like, eh, what do you think about this? Because it, it was really trying to make the point that, oh, if the government would just get off their ass and get these IG shots going, we could wrap this shit up. <laughs> yeah. And that, that is one of the, the issues that I have not only with this article, but with many articles, they promise too much. And this is clearly, we got rejected. So we're going to take the next step, which is to take it to the public because they know somebody will start complaining. Mm. And, you know, and as we know, the the head of Barda got fired some months ago and they sort of have a new guy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe they feel like they'll do better this time with this new head and the way to do that is to get everybody talking about it so you have to wind up putting it in the press yeah yeah because they end it okay so this is the end of the article just to kind of give you guys a sense if you don't want to read the whole thing you probably should because it is it is at least an informative in a sense if you you know just read it a little skeptically uh, it says, Joiner of the Mayo Clinic said there are probably 10 to 20 million people in the U.S. carrying coronavirus antibodies, and the number keeps climbing. If just 2% of them were to donate a standard 800 milliliters of plasma on three separate occasions, their plasma alone could generate millions of IG shots for high-risk Americans. At a hotspot meatpacking plant or at a mobile unit in the parking lot outside a mall, trust me, you can get the plasma. There is not a biological problem nor a technology problem. It's a back-of-the-envelope intelligence problem. The antibody injections for now do not appear to be a high priority for the government or the industry. On April 28th, the same day the USA topped 1 million confirmed coronavirus cases, Griffles made a major product announcement that would expand its leadership in disease treatment with immunoglobulins to treat rabies. Uh-huh. So then that brings up another problem that you didn't even you didn't even mention, but that they have to get donations. This isn't something you can build or make in a lab. Well, but here's the thing. Um, they're doing the thing that is easiest. As a matter of fact, you can produce something called monoclonal antibodies. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of work. Mm. And there's no way to know at the front end if it's going to work later on. Mm. 
So what you do is you these people who do produce antibodies to to um, SARS-CoV-2, you take their blood, you spin it down, you get some cells, you fuse them with a different kind of cell, plasma cell, and it produces a lot of antibodies, whatever whatever you, antibody that you're producing. Mm-hmm. And you can make that happen. It just doesn't always work. So mm. they're looking for the thing. This person actually had it, so they produced this particular antibody. If we could just suck those antibodies out of their blood, we can use them. Whereas if they did the hard thing and got it to work, they wouldn't need to keep bleeding people for it. Right. But they don't want to do that. That's expensive. Yeah, it sounds like they... Ultimately, it's a better thing to do. It sounds like they have a hip new idea to quickly get results so that they can quickly get a lot of money. Yeah, except for it's not even a hip new idea. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, this is one of my pet peeves. Everything that goes on in a laboratory doesn't need to be in the news. Mm-hmm. It just confuses people. Yeah. Ugh, what do they say about a little bit of knowledge? Yeah, very mm-hmm. dangerous thing. Yeah. Huh, okay, so um, after much hemming and hawing, it looks like the CDC guidelines for opening schools is not going to change. Yeah. CDC director says no revised school guidelines despite Trump's push. I'm just going to say out front, I do not understand how you would open schools or why at this point you would, other than just people are tired of their kids. Well, there is the fact that the kids being stuck at home are not developing mm-hmm. the way they should. Mm-hmm. I understand. There's that part. Um, there's the economy where if you have to stay home with your kids, you're not working. Mm-hmm. Nobody's making money. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand all the reasons why the schools should open. Everybody wants the schools to open. We just don't want the schools to open and then our kids all die or bring home whatever and kill the cafeteria ladies who are almost always older Mm -hmm. or the cleaning people or the teacher or the principal who's almost always older um, or grandma or auntie with the diabetes or anybody that the kids come into contact with. You know what? It just occurred to me. In a country where we send our kids to school every day and one or two of them get shot by a classmate every other week or so, maybe this doesn't seem so bad. Oh, Jesus. You know? Oh, that's horrible. Think about it. It might be true, but it's horrible. And maybe that's why Republicans are like, eh. I mean, they were getting shot before. At least now they have a better chance of, you know, just having it just blow over. You get sick and go back to school later. Oh, my God. That is depressing. This country's garbage. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's really depressing. Oh, my God. That but it just occurred to me. That's why. That's why this is such a, a debate. Quote, unquote, because if we really cared about protecting our kids, we would have dealt with this fucking school shooting thing a long time ago. But we don't. We just want them away so that we can go work and produce and make money. Well, I mean, is that used to be the GOP. 
mean old men who watched out for money. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the GOP is now, but yeah, oh, same, God. same. Mm-hmm. No, but they don't even watch out for your money. Oh yeah, you're just mean old men now, and women, and Karens. You know? Yeah, oh, I just, I, I don't know. I, I thought for uh, for a second I was just like these people are insane, and then I I just realized I'm like wait, what, the kids were shooting each other like <laughs> less than six months ago, and we did nothing. So not only did nothing but fought. But yeah. I need my gun. Yep. Like, oh. So you know what? Second Never verse. Mind. Second <laughs> verse. Same as the first. Next story. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Never mind. We were going to have a whole debate about how could you? And I was like, oh, wait, I'm in America. Never mind. <laughs> so, God, that's so sad. Yeah. yeah. We hit the nail on the head, though. I, I, I get it now. Um, face masks, though. We were just talking about selfishness. More than 20 states now require face masks in public. But some states are suing cities in the state so that they don't force people to wear masks. I'm talking about I, Georgia. Just, I, I, I think I need to read. Maybe I need to read the brief, the actual court brief, to understand what they're arguing for. Because the only way this works is if I don't. So this is one scenario where I'm like, okay, I can see why you may want to sue so that the the cities don't do it. If I'm a governor, and I have this intricate plan for how I'm going to get people to wear masks or who I want to wear masks and wear, I don't want it to conflict with local municipal regulations. Right? Okay, that makes sense. So if I'm going to say, well, I want people to wear masks in establishments with, you know, more than 20 people or in certain public buildings, blah, blah, blah. I don't want municipal regulations to conflict with that so that people get confused. I get that. But if you're not going to... Well, I, I'm I'm just saying I, I can understand why they would want to sue so that you guys we don't have like cities all over the place having different regulations, but then the state also has their own. You know that could be, lead to confusion for enforcement. I I, I can understand I, there a solution needs to be arrived at, but I get it. But if your end game is I just don't want people to wear masks, but I'm a mayor. And I want people to live, so I have them wear masks. There's no conflict. You're just a dick. (laughs) Honestly, I cannot understand what it is they think they're doing. Like, do they, I mean, are they really the people? Now, these are educated office holders, right? We're not talking about your average Joe who buys the, the... Uh, make America great again hats. We're talking about people who went to law school and, you know, they have MBAs and they're supposed to understand better. They've been, they've been um, elected officials for a while that they come up with this sort of stuff. Do they really believe that either it's a hoax or somehow if you wear a mask, it's worse for you? Like, I, I just, I don't get it. I've heard, several different arguments so i know that at the root of it is just selfishness so one argument i heard is i have breathing conditions and it's hard for me to breathe that's stupid because you could if you're trying to shop you can just have someone shop for you 
You can order your food online and have it delivered to you. Or you could just not shop, period. It's it's not that serious. If, if wearing a mask is really that critical to you and it makes you, you know, so that you can't breathe, then you need to find another solution. Another thing I've heard is that it's just a means of control. So they're trying to force me to do something and my freedoms. Which, oh, sweet Jesus. Which is the dumbest argument I've heard. And the freedom to die and infect other people. Yes. Freedom. Yes. And now I've I've seen the newest uh, like re- evolution of this where people are actively mad at other people wearing masks. Yeah, I've seen that. That I I could at least understand the other two, you know, selfishness or whatever. But this is you are actively worrying yourself with someone else. You're, mo- you're not minding your business and you're angry because they decided to wear a mask. Because they think it makes some sort of political statement against their president. Like I said, the country. I'm getting sick of this. The the country (laughs) is just trying to kill itself. I don't understand. They just they do not want to think about other people. It it, it angers them to have to think about other people, other races, other economic conditions. It's weird. It's weird. I don't. Yeah, I. Mm. I don't get. I just. I don't get it. It's I'm just sorry. that, but it's it's weird. It's worse because it's just after we had like several weeks of all these corporations like we're in this together. Clearly, we're not. Uh, Clearly, we're yeah. not. Well, that was a good thing to say, but sure, it it tracks well, but um, yeah, I just I don't know, and that makes it's what makes me scared for about November is like if you have that sort of mentality, I don't know how anything's going to convince you at all. What what would convince you? How how are you mad at what somebody else is doing though? I <laughs> like okay, so first of all, around here you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Any place you want to go, you have to have a mask. Mm-hmm. If you want to get on the train, you need a mask. If you want to go in a store, you need a mask. Like. I've been wearing a mask for a long time because I need to go to the grocery store. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not going to fight them. I need my groceries. I will wear the mask for the 14 minutes I'm in the store. You don't have to wear it at home. Yep. Like, so why are you mad about somebody else wearing one? I'm trying Did to you see that old man get like natural, almost get his natural ass beat. Because he wanted to bum rush the store with no mask. Oh yeah, he, he just got shoved to the ground and then he walked away with his tail what between the his hell? legs. What's so, wrong with that? So I'm I'm trying to think through it. I'm I'm accessing my my reptilian brain. I think what they're thinking. This is just a guess. They may not even realize it. I think what they're thinking is if too many people start to wear masks, then eventually I will have to because they won't give me a choice. See what I mean? So it goes it goes back to the selfishness. So if you wear a mask in in the store, people are going to get scared and think that they should wear a mask and then more people will wear a mask and then eventually the store will make it a rule. And then I'll have to wear a mask, which I don't want to do. So you take that off. <laughs> I uh yeah, I, My brain just doesn't even work this way. I, 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 I've talked to everyone in my circle. No one gets it. Some people are less surprised than others, but 
everyone is just like, I just wear a mask because I don't want to die and I don't want my Mima to die. That, that it's right. as simple as that. That's pretty much it. It's a very low price price for admission. It's it's literally just putting a piece of paper over your face. I don't like it. I hate it. But honestly, it's very little to ask. It is annoying. Sure. Ugh, I hate wearing masks. But as I put my mask on, <laughs> it's like Right. That's exactly. The thing. It's like, no, I really hate this. Okay, let's go. Exactly. That's the way I and everyone else around me approaches it. We're like, ugh, these stupid masks as we put on our mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go in the store. Because like, I don't want to die and I don't want to kill Mima. That, like, that's all it is. It, it's and, so simple. I don't want to die. I don't want to kill anybody. And at the same time, they wanted to change the CDC guidelines because the CDC was saying simple things like you need sneeze guards, you need social distancing with the desk, and you need masks all worn all day. And people realize that no one's going to want to do that, so we have to change the guidelines. What? Yeah, unfortunately, um, part of being part of a federal agency is you do have to take some guidance from the top. Mm -hmm. And I have seen this happen a couple of times not about anything this particularly deadly, but yeah, the, the, the administration will instruct CDC. I don't know how many other agencies this happens to. I would suspect that FDA as well. But I've seen them instruct CDC to change certain things. And we've talked about that on, on this show before. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I can't believe the director said, no, we're not changing it. Yeah, he said we're offering some additional resources to explain the guidance. Because, I I mean, he was, I think, basically because they probably compromised at the outset. They probably knew there was only a certain level of things that they could ask. So they kept it super minimal. And now that they've asked them to change it, they're like, I can't do anything less. Anything less is nothing. So... It is what it is. Yeah, but... I that's mean, what I... I it, mean, that's just my thoughts. But the... Yeah, you could be right. You could be right about that. But I'm astonished that he literally said, no, we're not, no, we're not going to fix this. I have never seen that before with the CDC. I think... Maybe not with the CDC. I can see it happening. He may be making a calculation that's like, if I get fired, I get fired. But I'm not going to put out guidelines that are absolutely worthless. You know what I mean? Like, there's some level of integrity if you're a civil servant where, yes, you have to take guidance from above. And you may know that a certain policy is stupid or a certain regulation that you're enforcing is stupid. But you do it because, you know, the mission is still ongoing and this thing needs to get done. But if at a certain point they're asking you to do something that's counter to the mission, is inefficient, and will cost lives, you 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 do have to make a value judgment, especially when you're that high level. That's why they pay you the big bucks. You have to have some integrity and take a stand and go, I'm not going to order my people to do this because it it's dumb. <clears throat> it's counter to the mission I was hired to do. No, I agree. The point I'm making is I've never seen this happen because we've never had an administration that did such a thing. Oh, now. Yeah. Other administrations do push back 
on things. Mm -hmm. And here's how I know that there's a negotiation going on. I'll have gone to a meeting and they talk about, you know, we're going to put out such and such and such. And they almost always have a date because they one of the things I did is they, they sort of make you if you're a stakeholder, they say, well, you know, we're about to put this out and it's embargoed until one o'clock such and such a day. Mm-hmm. We want you to tell your people that this new protocol or this new guideline or this new like so CDC does not have the power of regulation. Mm-hmm. They offer suggestions. Mm-hmm. You can or not do what they say. It's not like the right. FDA where you they say this and you must do it. Right. Um, so the CDC offers guidelines, and most people follow them, but they don't have the, the full weight of law. Right. But you always know when there's a negotiation going on, either with the White House or with HHS or you know somewhere above the CDC um, director, because that thing keeps getting pushed back. And that's how you always know there's there's some trouble going on. So if it was supposed to be ready on July 3rd and July 12th, you're still waiting for the announcement or July 17th, you're still waiting for the announcement. Something is going on. So Mm -hmm. I've seen that before um, multiple times, really. Mm -hmm. I've had my graduate students work on things at CDC and then they want to scrub the data. They don't. So they don't want it to go in somebody's thesis. I've had a student that literally could not finish his master's because the CDC did that to them. Wow. I mean, so I've seen this happen over the years, but I've never seen it go public like this. And I've never seen the CDC director say, I'm not going to change it. So what they want must be ridiculous. Well, what they want is to open schools. And I, I was telling, I was talking to um, my mom, and I said, I think they want to open the schools to say that they've opened the schools. I don't even know if they care whether or not children actually go or teachers actually teach. They just want to say that as a checkpoint, we opened the schools. Um, yeah, that's probably true because, again, this is about marketing. We're dealing with someone who has never actually been elected to anything, let alone, you know, the highest job in the whole land. But, you know, if you're a marketer and that's what you do, that's all you care about. Mm -hmm. It looks good on a marquee. It policy doesn't matter. Science doesn't matter. This is my brand. And that's who we elected. Somebody who's talking about this is my brand. And one of the most infuriating things I saw was when the press secretary said, well, all these other developed nations have opened their schools. Why shouldn't we? And I was like, because they ate their vegetables. Like, what What are you talking about? It's like She well, also said science shouldn't get in the way. She actually uh, said it out of her mouth. I saw it. And this is why you should not have Barbie as your, your spokesperson. It's beyond that. Barbie has some fucking integrity. Don't don't insult Barbie like that. That's that, and that's the the most infuriating thing about this administration is that all the people who had any integrity have left. Well, how could you stay? Yeah, even if you're mean or you have policies that I'm completely against or counter to, if you had any sort of integrity, you are gone or on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually leads right into the, the next story. Um, Fauci 
said Trump is obviously wrong that 99% of coronavirus cases are totally harmless. So uh, how long before Tony Fauci is fired? Um, that's a good question. I think if Trump tries to fire Tony Fauci, Francis Collins goes with him, maybe another head or two of the NIH, and it becomes basically a massacre. Mm. I think at some point, Tony's going to give up the ghost. What do you mean? He's 79 years old. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to take this shit. Oh, you think think he's just going to bow out because he's sick of their shit? Yes. Okay. He does not have to take this. So... I just feel like the reason why I feel like he's holding on, aside from the fact that he's a good dude and he's a, a, a real um, public servant. It's an election he's an, year. He's like he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. But I think he has been pushing the universal flu vaccine. He wants that to be his legacy. That's why he's still there. He could have retired like forever ago. Um. I mean, the guy has been there since, like, 1984. I I have a slightly different take. I think that he's staying there for all the reasons you said, but mostly because it's an election year. I think he's holding on for November. If the results are looking like it's going to be four more years of this shit, oh, he's out. He's like, I'm gone. Sorry, I'm not doing this. Yeah, virus, virus or no. The universal flu vaccine is more prominent in his mind. Mm. Because... He's never been fired before, and he's been there since the 1980s. Hmm. So I, I really think it's the flu vaccine. And sad to say, I just don't think that flu vaccine is going to work. Mm-hmm. But that is his thing. You know, he couldn't get the, the AIDS vaccine off the ground. This is the thing that he's holding on for. Hmm. Um, but like I said, I'm used to meeting with him every year. And this last year, I've never seen him look so bad. Mm. He's always been busy. He's always been on TV all the time. He's always been running from meeting to meeting. Like, he's always been energized in all of this. I think the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, which is horrible, and that he has to fight his own boss to get shit done. Mm. Like, that's too much work for anybody. And this man is almost 80 years old. How much, um, it, okay, so I guess I'm asking a couple questions in this, in one way, but let's say, let's say the president decides he doesn't want Tony's services, but he doesn't want to fire him. What, are you aware, what processes would he be able to like kind of cut Tony out of? Well, he hasn't met with him for I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. He wasn't listening regardless, so I don't know. Yeah, but he wasn't even trying to show up. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the procedures at NIH that well, mm-hmm. but I know nominally Francis Collins is the head of NIH. Tony runs um, allergy and infectious disease, which is only one center. Mm-hmm. So nominally, Francis is is um, Tony's boss, even though Tony's been there before, long before him. Mm-hmm. Francis has only been around since, like, I don't know, 2000, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
I guess the firing would have to come from Francis, and I I can't see Francis firing him. Mm. So the president's fingerprints would have to be all over it. And I don't think he wants that. You know, he doesn't fire people himself. He has somebody else do it. But then takes credit afterwards. Yeah. Which is some coward shit, but okay. Well, we know who he is, though. Mm. Uh, But honestly, yeah, I think the the firing, nominally the firing would have to come from Francis, and I just, I can't see him doing it. So basically, Tony has his job as long as he wants it, which may not be for that long. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it could happen. I mean, Francis could say, all right, for the good of the rest of NIH, we can't take this, and thank you for your service, and... And, you know, Tony's already gotten, you know, a bunch of medals and all that stuff. But I just can't even imagine Trump standing over him, giving him the Medal of Freedom or something like that. Mm. Like, he's just such a terrible person. Like, I mean, after this, if we do come out at the end of this, he probably should be candidate for Medal of Freedom. That That's a trooper. <laughs> He really is. But yeah, I think the the hope of the of the flu vaccine, the one you only have to get one time in your life, you don't have to get it every year like we do now. I think that's what's keeping him holding on. That and he doesn't want to abandon the American people like right now. I don't know. We seem like we're we're angling for someone to abandon us. It's it's weird. Yeah. We're, no, we're... I agree, but I I think you know, I don't know him. We're not friends. I've just listened to him talk for a long time, for many years, and I know that is the thing that's on his mind. Of all the research that, that's going on at, at um, allergy and infectious disease, that's the thing he always talks about, the universal flu vaccine. So I think that is on his mind. But oh, let's say he does – let's say he – by some miracle, he does get the universal flu vaccine off the ground, and it works, and it's great. Wouldn't we now have to take a yearly COVID-19 vaccine? That's possible. But here's the difference. COVID-19 is not even a year old. We've known about influenza for more than 100 years. That would be a fantastic cap to his career. Hmm. I got the universal flu vaccine done. Hmm. And I think that's what he's waiting for. And I, I you know, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a, it would be a cap to a stellar career. I mean, this guy has more papers than like anybody on earth. So it would be great for him. I think that's what he's waiting for. Meanwhile, what's his name? Navarro said that Tony's been wrong about everything. Uh, how would Peter Navarro know? Well, I mean, come on. He's a, he's an economist. Of course he would know. Um, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm just saying he wrote a whole piece in USA Today. And USA Today. Okay. Yeah. USA Today. He wrote a whole article, an opinion piece in USA Today. And he said that Tony Fauci was wrong about everything that he discussed with them. I haven't seen Tony wrong yet. 
He says, Dr. Anthony Fauci has a good bedside manner with the public, but he has been wrong about everything I have interacted with him on. Um, what is he interacting with him on? When I was making the case on behalf of the president to take down the flights from China, Fauci fought against the president's courageous decision, which might well have saved hundreds of thousands of American lives. Because it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the flights, there were like 50,000 people who came in after he took down the flights. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Including Americans who were not uh, part of the restriction. Who were in China and who may have had it and who came home. Same in Europe. <sighs> But oh, oh, look, here's another one. When I warned in late January in a memo of a possibly deadly pandemic, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases was telling the news media not to worry. When I was working feverishly on behalf of the president in February to help engineer the fastest industrial mobilization of the healthcare sector in our history, Fauci was telling the public the China virus was low risk. Uh, first of all, that is totally bullshit. It's not the China virus. For... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. We, we got to fight the bullshit head on. We can't just let it sit out there. I, I mean... Oh. Nobody was watching this closer than me. None of that happened. Well, I think... The only thing that happened, and I understand it now, and I understood it then, was he said we don't know if this is going to affect your life meaningfully yet and don't go out and buy masks because basically we need them for healthcare workers you hit the nail on the head that's exactly what they said in this fact-checking article they said that on february 17th fauci said the following the risk for americans appears relatively low but he warned that could change and officials needed to be prepared Here's the exact quote. As of today, on the 17th of February, the risk is relatively low, but we, the public health officials, have to take this seriously enough to be prepared for it changing and there being a pandemic. <sighs> I can't. We were When we were building new mask capacity in record time, Fauci was flip-flopping on the use of masks. I can't. <laughs> It just they just lie so I, I i i don't know it's like are you i feel like they approach life and public service kind of like uh an attorney does to a jury like a defense attorney a defense attorney will spin you a line of bullshit that they know is probably not true but if it gets their client off they feel justified and I, I think that's the way they approach their job. They're defense attorneys for the president. Yeah, see, that, that kind of works. But I really think it's just all about marketing. When you get sold a bill of goods, they tell you the stuff they think you want to hear. They skip all the rest of it. True. And people, and people only listen to half of what you say anyway. Well, he said, Tony said it was bad. So it must be good. Like, it just... It's ridiculous to me. I, I mean, that is true. When when you sell something, you sell 
a solution. You don't sell a problem. So, of course, if there's things that are going to present themselves, if you buy this new thing or use this new thing, I'm not going to lead with that. Duh. I'm going to lead with the solution, the good part. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't just lie when you're in public life. And this is this is why I really hate marketing. It really is. Mm. <laughs> because they don't tell you everything. I've had to get so many people out of so many like contracts for something because they don't understand and the person sells it to them and it's so easy and then all of a sudden all the problems come after that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, like the last time we had a president like this, it was W. He's another one who was a marketer, but he wasn't a marketing genius like the orange twat we have in now. Um but he always sold stuff. They always gave the bill a name that sounded really good and did absolutely the opposite of what it was supposed to do. Mm, um, that is when it was, started. Yeah. You remember that stuff, right? Yeah. But this is like, it's not even marketing. It's just flat out lies. And for people who are in marketing, eh, it's not such a big step. Yeah, I think maybe it's the marketing, but I think the biggest problem is even with Darth Vader Cheney, I still feel like the people that he surrounded himself with the president, it was more, yeah, we have our diabolical, you know, agendas that we want to, you know, act on. But at the same time, we do want things to run well. I could feel, I feel like there was a level of professionalism and respect for civil service that was still there. Maybe I'm just misremembering. But I feel like even when they were instituting policies that I thought were trash, there was still this we, we do it the right way. And this is the way that we you know ensure that the civil service is strong and, and well you know, supported in order to act in case we need them to act. I guess. Um, I would say there was still at least a veneer of civility over it and mm. that sort of thing. Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, Dick Cheney was vice president. I just, I'm, <laughs> and it and it wasn't this bad. What does that tell it, you? No, no, exactly. That's how bad this is. That we're thinking about maybe W wasn't that bad. Exactly. That's how bad this is. When viewed through the lens of this presidency, W seems modestly troubling. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I do. I don't know. And that was post 9-11 when he could have pushed a lot of things through. And he and did, did. And did. And still, it wasn't this level. Yeah. So what was, th- what was stopping them? Other than they had some fucking integrity. Some, yeah. Yeah, there, there, there was some integrity. Well, it was not only the administration, but I think Congress had some more integrity than they do now. Yeah, that too. And I think also... They, they actually had somebody who would stop them. And I think also the difference was, I think the W administration was more about keeping things secret from the public rather than just outright lying about them. I think that might have been their MO and that's why it felt different. Like the, the whole thing with Abu Ghraib. When it actually broke, they didn't really outright lie about it. They tried to blame some other people. 
but it was more about keeping it secret because they knew it was bad and they knew it was shameful and they knew that it was unacceptable so they kept it secret they tried to hide it but they didn't outright lie and say this is not what you're looking at that's not what's in this picture <laughs> you know what i mean like that bullshit yeah. That's why yeah. I think it feels different because they weren't gaslighting you. They were just like, oh, don't look over there. Ah, shit, they looked. Um, sorry. Yeah, definitely <laughs> much worse. Yes. Yeah. Now it's just like, I know you're looking at that, but that's not what you're looking at. Yeah, you don't see. Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? Exactly. And I think that's the difference, maybe. It's like someone who cheats on you in a relationship versus someone who is actively flouting their, you know, loyalty or you know a lo or loyalty to you in front of your face every day and telling you that they're not it's like hey i'm going to dinner with this other woman and then we might have sex after wait what no no don't, don't worry about it that's not what you heard <laughs> also uh so what like that, yeah yeah that's the thing. it's like they who said i can't do that this. that's not illegal <laughs> yeah exactly no first of all i didn't do it Okay, I did it, but it's it's not even illegal. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you care that I did it? Like that's that's exactly the way they handle it. And it, what about Every my freedoms? I'm free to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Uh, yeah. So okay. I'm not even gonna go through the rest of these. They, they basically so USA Today. I don't know how newspaper, how newsrooms work anymore, or how op-ed. Uh, councils work or tables work. I don't get it. I don't know how the desk works anymore. But they published this op-ed piece by Peter Navarro, economic advisor to the president, with all of these false claims. They put a note on top of it. This is USA Today. They put a note on top of it saying this did not meet our standards for, for fact-checking. And so then why did you publish it? Then? And then proceeded the next day to break down all the things he lied about in the article they published. What the, okay. what the fuck? So, <laughs> what? My, okay, I, I understand it. I don't like it. What, how, Here's okay. what I understand. Okay. Newspapers are dying. The same reason why they let Trump have all the airtime in the world in 2015 is to get eyeballs on the screen. They did this so everybody would talk about it and everybody would complain and they get three days of people reading them. And to me, that is just not good enough. It's just not. And I get it. I mean, it just so happens that at some point in the 1990s, 2000s, we decided we're not paying for news. We're not paying for newspapers. Everything should be free on, on the Internet. I can steal it. I don't understand why we should care about any of this stuff. And this is, this is the result. I think, if you I think also I read um, – I didn't read. I saw a documentary. This is probably maybe 10 plus years ago I saw this documentary and I wish I could find it again. I think it was on like um <clears throat> like what's that uh that show on PBS uh, that where they put like different documentaries Frontline? It's front it's Frontline but there's another one like American Experience. American or, Experience. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, it's American Experience. I think it maybe it was like 10 years ago. They were talking about the newspaper and why newspapers are dying. And they said that there was a period of time where um, wealthy investors were buying up local newspapers and then demanding like ridiculous profit margins on them. 
And then if they didn't meet those profit margins, they'd call them failed. And then they would either sell them to some other like conglomerate or wrap them up. And it sort of gutted like the local uh, media press and media operations throughout the country. But unfortunately, if they had the cash flow that they used to have, they wouldn't have been up for sale. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know. I don't know who, who, who usually local papers weren't they owned by like families or individuals who maybe just retired or just didn't want it anymore and would sell it. Um sometimes, but I I think part partially what it was is that people stopped buying the newspaper. Mm. Because of the internet. That's true. Yeah. Well, part par- partially and I think the a lot of the news organizations didn't move towards the internet quickly enough. Mm-hmm. They resisted um, it, yeah. But, but I can remember, you know, when I lived at home, there was the Morning Call and the Globe Times. My folks wrote, read both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in Baltimore, there was the, the daytime Baltimore Sun, and then there was the Evening Sun. Yeah. So people were buying newspapers twice a day to... I'm not paying for anything. I'll get it free on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think you know that the business model has to come into it as well. I mean, yeah, we we basically used to also have rules that you couldn't have, but so much media in one area. You couldn't own everything mm-hmm. like they do now. Thank you so much, Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so a, a lot of things happen, and unfortunately. You know, we're now stuck. Yeah, because I don't see a solution short of making it a public good. And then like I don't. It used to be? <laughs> well, well, it, the way it used to be is that, um, like I know from uh, like broadcast news, it used to be that it was just like a write-off. They knew it wasn't going to bring in any money. Yeah, but, news was not supposed to make money. Right. It was just uh, it was a public service. Every day in the evening, we report the news and we do it earnestly. There was no profit margin. We wasn't worried about eyeballs. It was just, this is what happened. That's the news. Short of us going back to that, I don't see how we can have independent, well-funded news that doesn't have to worry about profit margins without intervention from the government or some sort of tax dollars. But then that kind of compromises you, doesn't it, if you're being funded by the government? That just I don't know. I don't think PBS is is compromised. Mm, and they I get suppose. government money. Yeah, I guess. I suppose. Maybe, maybe maybe we just need more PBSs or smaller stations can apply and, you know, get that public funding, but that would require an explosion in what is that? The National Endowment for the Arts? Where are they getting the money from? Humanities, maybe. Humanities. I'm not sure okay. which one. But what we really need to do is understand that we need to pay for things mm-hmm. i mean literally we need to pay for things we do pay for things and i mean especially now people are paying for spotify not every person yeah. is sharing an account on spotify a lot of you people are paying for it we pay but, for um netflix but i think that the problem the, the problem was when this happened nobody was paying for shit oh okay spotify's yeah. not old yeah true true you know when when all of this went down in the 90s and the early 2000s People were figuring out ways to steal everything. Mm-hmm. It's on the internet. It should be free. Yeah. I mean, I still pay for for the Washington Post online. I don't get it delivered to my house. Mm-hmm. But I pay for it online. Yep. I do that and the Times. 
But, you know, lots of people, they just think everything should be free. And you'll see it on, on Twitter. Somebody will be complaining, it's behind a paywall. Well, yeah, because you need to pay your reporters. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't have a solution. We don't have solutions here, people. We don't. No, that's not what we, we try. No. <laughs> Sometimes the solution is just sitting right there and we just point it out. But in cases when it's not, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Pay pay us, and then we'll maybe we'll, we'll take the time to figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, just uh, waiting for November. I think that should be the name of a documentary about America in twenty twenty. Just just waiting for November. This should be the name of the podcast. <laughs> oh, actually, we could we could do a separate podcast for a few weeks. Anytime we don't have a science news, we have a bunch of other news. We can just call it "Waiting for November." <laughs> yep. Because hmm. I can't. I, hmm. I might look into that. But yeah, that kind of, I just kind of destroyed myself when I made that connection with the school shootings. I was just like, oh, we don't, we hate our children. Got it. Okay. I don't know that we hate them, but we obviously don't love them the way we should. No. Or or the teachers. Them. Or the teachers. The teachers is like, fuck them. <laughs> we, we have well, no. Well, we never did love the teachers. So, yeah. you know what, though? I think this being home, people are starting to understand that teachers are really important. I really hope that's the lesson we learn. That shit. Watching my own fucking kids is hard. Someone watching 12 or 15 of them should get paid. What 12 or 15? I wish. Yeah, or 30. There's, there's your privilege, Jen. <laughs> there were 30 people in my class when I was a kid. <laughs> 12 or 15. <laughs> I'm just saying there's high schools with you know 12 or 15 kids in the class. And... Um. Yeah, if they're private. Oh, well, yeah. Like I said... <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying 30, I can only I can only 30, speak from my experience. <laughs> 30. But um yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of I have a, a number of friends who are K through 12 teachers and they are just it's not that they're not working because they are. They still have to provide, you know, content and everything and they still teach during the day, well, mm -hmm. at least till summer school. Mm -hmm. But they were just loving it. Oh, your kid won't do his homework and acts up Really? Mm -hmm. Tell me all about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <sighs> My cousin had jokes for weeks. I'm going to still need that worksheet, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, zero. There we go. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, that part, I think people are understanding. But um, I don't know. I'm not even sure they're even getting the lesson. Like that. Like I said repeatedly, and I'll say again, my biggest fear is that we'll learn all the wrong lessons from this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it'll even I worse. I hope you're wrong. I, I hope so, too. I hope I'm wrong and that people just don't go to school either. It's not time yet. It's not. There's no reason at all to stuff all these people in a building. For what? For why? It, it's, it's not time yet. And some of the the ideas I've seen have left me gasping. So one of them was, okay, they can have class at home, but let's take them to band so they can have band. So that is stupid, <laughs> but I can at least understand that. Because I think, or it sounds like that comes from a place of my kid's a little lonely. No, no, I get that. But you've been in band, right? Yeah. Oh, no, so, it's dangerous as fuck because it's woodwind instruments. You're literally blowing spittle everywhere. Any <laughs> instrument you got to blow into. So all the brass, 
all the woodwinds. Like yeah, just so everyone, if anyone who hasn't played an instrument, a wind instrument, just just a little information for you. There's usually when you buy it, it comes with a little rag that you have to pull through the instrument to clean out your spit. It's literally full of your spit. If you're really playing an instrument for any duration of time, it is dripping. It is full of spit. You're literally creating sputum like cultures in a band room. Just, just so you guys that, know, bandos are like typically rowdy as fuck. Yes, I played a violin, so I was only in the orchestra. But I was in the band homeroom. I know what this is like. This is the worst thing. You should probably think about, I don't know, the cheerleaders mm-hmm. or even anybody but the band. Like I, I, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat that person a little gentler. That's a stupid idea, but I believe the sentiment comes from a place of I just my kid needs to some contact. He's been in the house. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I can empathize with that person. Yeah, no, stupid I, idea, but I get it. <laughs> and and then the like I think the kid was a trumpet player. I'm like not yep, brass. Yep, they have spit yep. valves. What are you talking? About? They literally have a separate valve just to release the fluids they spit yeah. into the instrument. Come on, people. I'm like, but, Everybody in that room is going to have COVID by the end of the first week. Yes. So. No. Now, the people who are just like those teachers to teach or get fired. Now, you're an evil villain and, and, and you're a horrible person who should fall off a cliff. But if you're just like, my kid's just so lonely. <laughs> I want him to do things. I'm like, I get it. I get it. But now's not the time. I'm sorry. Yeah. Get it. But no. Yeah. But yeah, I was banned. No, 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 no. Mm. Math club, chess club, sure. And, <laughs> not bad. And the thing, not choir either. And the thing is, the more and more that we cannot get our act together, the harder and harder it is going to be to put back what we consider normal. Every week that we push this shit back with our stupidity, movie theaters are dying like a longer and longer death. Yeah. Like AMC, they keep pushing this Tenet and Wonder Woman back like it's going to save them. I would love to see Wonder Woman and Tenet. I love Christopher Nolan. And I like Wonder Woman movies. It ain't going to be me. I will wait for the Blu-ray. I don't trust yeah. I don't trust the the people you're paying like 5.50 an hour. I don't trust them to clean the place properly. Sorry. I don't. I once went into an AMC and it was literally a pile of cooked popcorn on the floor because they didn't pay them enough to clean it up, I guess. I Here's what I don't get. They should have been doing this sort of cleaning all along. Sure. One of my friends said to me, she she was going in the supermarket, you know, sort of during during um, the time where in Virginia you weren't supposed to even leave the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. She said, all the soap is gone. All the cleaning products is gone. Well, what were they doing before? Yep. Well, some okay, some of that is hoarding. Some people, especially if you own a house and you have ample storage space or a garage, some people were just being assholes. They had cleaning supplies and soap, but they bought eight more. There was yeah. a there was a hoarding thing that that happened too. So it wasn't that these people didn't have soap or cleaner. They had enough to clean the house for a few months, but then they went and bought ten times that. Because <sighs> selfish. I guess. Which is weird just, because there was a run on toilet paper. There was a run on cleaning supplies. So clearly people were scared. And then now I don't want to wear a mask. Make it make sense. Yeah, that doesn't 
make, sense. make it make sense. Which that is it? Doesn't make sense at all. You you'll only understand this if you're a Nas fan. But is it Uchiwali or is it One Mike? Which is it? Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Which is it? <laughs> I hate you. Ugh. But enough about how horrible this place is. Tell, tell the people where they can find you. <laughs> you can find me at Koki Talks Trash on Twitter, um, obviously, and I will be there. And you can find me on Twitter at uh, pfunkingaround. Um, hopefully my account wasn't hacked in sending out Bitcoin advertisements. But, uh, oh, oh. yeah, <laughs> that, that was a thing. I know. I remember. But I, I thought they only got like presidents and stuff. No, they got p- anyone with a check mark actually. So they were they were tar- people with a check mark were targeted. I-, I don't know if all of them were were hacked, but they were targeted. But uh yeah, you can find me there and you can also find the show directly uh at you know molecules. That's at capital U K N O W molecules. Yeah, we're there. We're there and uh we're waiting for November. Indeed. Yeah. Have a good week. <laughs>